Hi, John. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you. Fantastic. Fantastic. Okay, you know what? This is just just, just in case my audience realise I have been talking to you for a while. I just want to put mm. that out there. Um, they, they, they know that I always do this awkward thing where I have this long, fairly personal conversation with my guest beforehand. And then all of a sudden I need to pretend like I hadn't been speaking to them at all. So let's just get that out of the way. Um, John, I am super, super excited to be on the uh, to, 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 to be on this podcast with you. I have to say, you've been a guest that I've wanted on the show for a while now. Um, so when I was told that you would be interested in coming on, uh, I was I was truly over the moon. So I so before we get into anything, I have to thank you for your time today. I I, I really do appreciate it. Well, I hope I live up to your expectations. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've had the absolute pleasure of of talking to you, John, the the, the wizard, um, for 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 a fairly for a fairly extended amount of time. I would say, I'd say, I'd say we've probably spoken a couple of hours in total. Um, yeah. And I've enjoyed I've enjoyed every minute. Um, you you really are a a fountain of knowledge and uh, just an overall great guy. But um, for my audience who haven't been able to spend the kind of time that I have with you and and what I've been doing, learning about your company and stuff like that. Why don't you take a, uh, take a minute and tell my audience who you are, uh, what your name is, what it is that you do, and who your company are. Okay. Uh, well, that was like three questions or something like that. So, uh, first of all, uh, the name is uh, John Moulton. Um, I'm 49, pushing 50. And I've been doing this now, I think since 2007, 2008, I've been commercial uh, probably seven years now. I'm not sure what I, what I mean is I did it as a hobby or occupation, you know, very uh, uh, like a passion project um, and then, then went commercial. Um, as far as like uh background uh, I'm, i have a doctorate degree in audiology i worked in all types of capacities uh from diagnostics to fitting hearing aids to balance to balance diagnostics to uh cochlear implants to being what they call a surgical coach and that's where you uh, go into the, the operation room and stand side by side with a physician or a, a surgeon and, uh, implant the cochlear implants and that, that may sound glamorous but uh at the end of the day pretty much all you do is look at mri scans or cat scans and that's about it because the doctors really don't want to hear what i have to say so sure. it's a, probably an, an ego type thing but uh so I've, I've worked in all types of capacities i was also a trainer uh, i taught uh, audiology uh, at a private company um, teaching their staff about diagnostic studies and the fitting of hearing aids. Um, uh, what else uh, would you like to know? Could you, could, could you just tell me what, what is audiology? What, 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 what is that? Oh, mean? audiology. Uh, audiology. Yeah. I started in, uh, as an occupation or a field in, uh, in the fifties, shortly after world war two, what happened was mm -hmm. our, our military guys came back, uh, without the ability to hear after being exposed to uh, a lot of loud 
explosions and noises and gunfire and these types of things. Um, so the profession of audiology started in you know, the college instruction and career path and all of those things started right after World War II. And basically uh, what we do is uh, diagnose, diagnose hearing loss. We, we test the severity of it. And we a lot of times work hand in hand or shoulder to shoulder with physicians and trying to uh, recuperate these patients or people from their hearing loss, ameliorate, if you will. Uh, sometimes, uh, well, actually, probably about eighty percent of all cases, uh, the hearing loss. There's there's nothing medically that can be done as far as surgeries or medicines that can be done at that point. And from there on out, it's just uh, hearing aids for that individual. And audiologists uh, are play a big role in that, as far as the fitting of the hearing aids, and, and we program them. Uh, the modern type hearing aids, you program them to match the hearing loss. In other words, if somebody had a high frequency loss, hearing loss, uh, we would uh, program the hearing aids such that it enhances or boosts the high frequency area, such that uh, they can hear better. That's the okay. Whole. And I, 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 I can imagine this kind of in depth. Let's say it. Um, I, I don't know, some may, may say unnecessarily in-depth knowledge mm-hmm. um, of, of, the, of, 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 of the human hearing. I'm guessing that that benefits mm-hmm. what you currently do today, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, because when we're going through our program or, or studying or training, we, we learn about the, 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 uh, what frequencies are important when it comes to hearing and understanding. And, and so when I'm uh, tuning our products, I I try to get those zones best, such that uh, our our customers or people that use Noble products they can hear the music and hear and understand the the uh, the words being sung. Yeah, it's part of it. Sure, 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 sure. So it's essentially what you're trying to do is you're using this understanding that you have of mm-hmm. of 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 these this experience that you have of. Uh, calibrating and programming hearing aids and, and stuff like that and understanding mm-hmm. where maybe the human hearing dips at certain points and and mm-hmm. and and what the human ear needs to hear in terms of frequency response to optimize mm-hmm. listening pleasure essentially right i mean am i on the right path in, in some respects yeah yeah but there's there's more to it than that um uh, basically about how the ear canal you know the the resonance of the ear canal, and mm. how the middle ear functions, and things like that. Uh, and also, probably I'd say a large part of our training was uh, about how to build hearing aids. And uh, that was one of the parts I forgot to add was uh, uh, in Thailand, which is where I live. I used to have a job where I worked with the largest hearing aid. Uh, manufacturer slash distributor distribution chain in Thailand. And uh, it was really pretty much there that uh, I really picked up uh, building CIMs, uh, custom ear uh, monitor CIMs, um, because a lot of the techniques and all of that is really laced in with hearing aids as far as how hearing aids are built, things of that nature. Uh, if you don't mind, I'll go into that because it's it's kind of interesting how that happened. Um, in fact, yeah, I already absolutely. mentioned it a little bit. Uh, I was hired 
by this company, it was a private company, to uh, train and teach. And the thing is, they maybe had, uh, let's just say 100, 100 and a half employees scattered throughout Thailand at different uh, stores, if you will, that would sell hearing aids. Uh, the problem is they couldn't bring in all 150 and train at once. They just, just can't do that. Uh, so they would bring in maybe groups of 20. And when you have 20 people, that means you might have 10 stores closed. Well, you can't close stores forever. So what we would do is we would teach them maybe three days. And uh, then they're gone. And then we keep rotating in and out, in and out. Uh, so pretty much I would be teaching possibly maybe one week out of four. So then I had three weeks of time on my hands. Uh, sometimes they would send me out to one of those stores and I would do hands-on right there. But I would be gone maybe two, three weeks at the most at that time. But coming back to the point, the point of the matter was I would have at least two weeks to three weeks um, a month where I had nothing but time. And so what I would do is go into the hearing aid and build CIMs. Um, and that was not a product on their portfolio or, or anything of that nature. At that time period, um, there really wasn't, uh, it really was not like it is today. I mean, we, mm. you, know, you, could, you could probably name off 50 to 100 CIM manufacturers right now. But at that time, predominantly that was around was uh, uh, Ultimate Ears. Um, 1964 had started. And um, UM, which is called Unique Melody, had just 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 started. Uh, at that time, UM was what you call a reshell company. If, if, I'm not even sure if you could call them a company at that time, but mm. if you had uh, uh, purchased a, a IEM, which is just a random audio product just or an ear monitor, monitor. Uh, I, right? I, you got you you guys would call that a universal fit, right? Right, right. If you were to purchase a universal fit from a, a big box store or, or wherever, let's say it was fairly quality, maybe two to three hundred dollars, and you wanted a custom fit, you would send it into UM with the ear mold impressions. And they would literally pull the guts out and put it all back together into a custom fit housing. And that's what that's how UM started. That was their, their background. And now they're, you know, a, a good sized company. That, uh, that uh, you know, make uh, innovative products. So there, that's you. So basically, there's two or three options at the time that I started uh, uh, building these things on my own. You know, at that uh, Thai hearing aid manufacturer. Amazing, amazing, and you know, I can, I can really imagine that having your foundations rooted in the hearing aid business when you're dealing with mm -hmm. custom made in-ear monitors, which I, I, I'd like to clarify for my audience uh, before we start to get into what it is that you currently do at Noble Audio, mm -hmm. uh, which mm -hmm. is fascinating, to say the least, absolutely fascinating. What you guys are doing, I mean, it's, 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 it's truly madness, uh, and I'm very excited to be able to talk to, talk to you with that, but I'd, I'd like to, the, the word custom, unfortunately, mm -hmm. excuse my language, has been bastardized. Um, unfortunately, and I've, I've noticed this in so many different industries 
where custom now means that you can maybe change the color, that you can maybe do this or do that or do this. Um, but what you mean by custom in-ear monitor is something that is made for your ear canal, right? Uh, could you? Uh, I said, uh, yeah, it's it's basically twofold. Um, in other words, level one meaning would be like you just mentioned. You you literally take uh, ear ear mold impression material, which is basically an A B silicone. You take A, you take B, rub it together, mash it together, mix it together. You put it into a large syringe looking device and put some cotton block in the ear so that, that when you squeeze the impression material and the impression material doesn't reach the, the eardrum. There's no impacting on the eardrum. Correct. And uh, so you, you squeeze in the impression material, you wait five, 10 minutes and it hardens up and it captures the shape of the ear. And you pull that out. And now that you have the shape, you make molds from it. And then you completely build something that will fit that ear specifically. Okay. And again, that's custom. Now, the other in this field, the other term would be like you just alluded to colors, uh, materials, uh, could be laser engraved something custom mm -hmm. onto it. So it's, it's basically aesthetic and physical fit uh, are the two things that we customize in this industry. Fascinating, fascinating. So, you've you're 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 a doctor. You're a doctor of audiology. Uh, now, Correct. you you've said to me in a in a, in a previous conversation uh, when I asked you, I haven't really seen many audio companies where the where the owner is a doctor of audiology, and we we kind right. of got into this interesting discussion about how you think it's it's not really necessary, but it does help. Um, sure. And then that reminded me of a similar example with uh, with with glasses, where you've got mm -hmm. uh, eyewear designers who mm -hmm. uh, were not opticians beforehand. Um, mm -hmm. In fact, they've probably had no formal education in 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 being an optician, but yet they're driven by design and product design and a way that they can outlet themselves is by designing glasses, right? Uh, and it kind of reminded me of that example. So I just wonder before mm -hmm. you start talking about noble, what what in, you said that you were kind of seeing this influx of people who were coming back from the war. Was that was that the main encouraging factor that you decided to study audiology? It's a fairly well, that was the, thing to study. Yeah, yeah, that was in the fifties. Um, I guess the real question would be what led my father. Right. <laughs> what led okay. my father into this? Because my father is actually an audiologist as well. Uh, at least I he has see. a master's degree in it. My, ma my father has a master's degree in audiology, a master's degree in speech pathology, and then a doctorate degree in, uh, I forget what they called it specifically, but uh, he could tell you. But <laughs> basically, it was a doctorate degree in, maybe it was just called speech and hearing sciences. That might have been wow. what it was. Wow. But uh, I would say that Pretty he specialized in... Yeah, he specialized in deaf ed, deaf education. Okay. Um, that's where he pretty much stayed within the field. But he could definitely sit down and talk to an audiologist and have a conversation and follow the flow without a problem. Mm. Uh, and same thing with uh, speech pathology. Now, I myself 
have a master's in audiology as well. And I was about six months outside of another master's in speech pathology, but I decided not to do that because uh, I needed to get out and start making money. So. Yeah, that's always, that's always important. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like I said, my father was a doctor in this field. And, and, and you asked me, how did I kind of get involved? Yeah. I guess you would say. It was, I don't know if this is a bad thing to say, but I mean, I'll, I'll be honest about it. Um, one, I enjoyed helping people. That's one thing I like yep. to do. But the thing was, um, I was, my father asked me about a particular Lexus car manufacturer. Right. He was asking about a certain model. And I had just recently read probably a Motor Trend magazine covering that model. He asked me about this Lexus and I rattled on facts and figures and statistics and uh, what type of suspension it had. And I told him, but better yet, don't buy that model. You got to buy this model for these reasons. So, and my father was kind of quiet about that. And he said, you know, uh, you really ought to study audiology. Right. And I said, why is that? And he said, because you have to remember a lot of things that you will never use. And that's what he said. And my college program, my college university near my house, uh, was about a 30, 40 minute drive away, actually had um, an audiology program. Uh, they had an audiology, speech pathology, and deaf ed program, all three uh, programs, which is kind of rare for any college to have all three. So anyways, um, I did my bachelor's degree and then enrolled in a, a master's program for audiology. And, um, you know, I just kind of took off from there. Uh, I started practicing and then later on got my doctorate and uh, kept on going. And eventually ended up taking a job in Thailand. And this is, you know, it's just, it is what it is today. Amazing. And why don't uh, you tell me what, 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 what is it today? Uh, what, what do you do? And tell me about Noble as well. Uh, uh, I'd, 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 love to, sure. I'd love to understand a bit more. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, truthfully, I am not a businessman by trade or by heart. Uh, I just enjoy working with my hands and I enjoy building things. And, um, so I'm kind of, I guess you'd call it a concept engineer. I think of projects and uh, fortunately we have people within our, our family, if you will, of noble noble family that have the skill sets to, to make my projects come true. I, I just sit back and say, well, it's all me. No, it's not. Uh, I, I have another story about that, but I'll I'll tell you that one in a little bit. But again, getting back to you, I think a process and I, we make it happen together. Um, also, I I fly around. At least I did before COVID nineteen a lot. Uh, here in Thailand, it's a it's a good springboard for me because if if, if you understand our market, uh, the the Asian market is the strongest market for this field. Um, I can go into why that is just real quickly, if yeah. you don't mind. But uh, if, if we look at uh, lifestyles, 
within Asia. You'll, you may have a three-generation household or apartment, if you will. You could have grandma and grandpa in the house. You could have mom and dad in the house, and you could have children in their uh, early 20s all in one place. And at, at that time, you can't really turn up the music and really enjoy uh, whatever you're watching on your tablet or something. You can't get that stereo sound going really loud or something of that nature or that theater experience uh, unless you're using per personal audio. And um, so that's one reason, multiple generations in one household. The other one is uh, uh, what's the word? public transportation. That's a really big thing in Asia. Uh, a lot of people use uh, buses and trains and transit every day. And uh, it could be two, three hour trip one way and uh to to escape um uh, people wear their personal audio and of course chill out or zen out if you will and so it's just the lifestyle is uh more befitting to having personal audio and uh, another thing is disposable income uh, a lot of asians do have a good amount of disposable income but what we consider disposable income in the West and what we would do with it versus what would happen mm. in Asia is totally different. For example, disposable income in America, you might be able to buy a Porsche. And that might be, what, 70000 you know, entry level or whatnot. In Asia, the tax is placed on a Porsche, you know, that'd be three hundred, four hundred thousand. Like eight dollars. times. Yeah, 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 yeah it's crazy. Exactly. So, yes, they may have disposable income, but it's not Porsche level. But what, what it is, is nice camera level, uh, nice uh, remote control airplane level or remote control boat level or nice portable audio level. And that's what we see. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a really interesting point, actually, because I've, I've always wondered why does that particular market pour so much money into mm. personal audio and hi-fi? Uh, and also the the other thing, you're right, nice camera level. That's definitely something that I see quite a lot. And the other thing is um, coffee. You know, I, I, I see yes. a lot of them invest yeah. big into coffee machines and stuff. You know, they have these mm -hmm. really intricate home barista setups in sure. their homes. Sure. Very interesting stuff. It really is. Mm -hmm. It really mm -hmm. is. But, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, please go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking, I live in Taiwan as well. And just to buy a parking spot in Taiwan was sometimes more expensive than apartment. So it's it's it can get it can get really out of hand fast when it comes to you know how to spend your disposable income. And if you're a car fanatic, it's it's very expensive. Yeah, it's 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 one of those things where you just have like completely different ideas of of how to spend your money, not because of culture or anything like that, because of the bloody tax situation. So yeah, that sure. makes perfect sense. You know, it's a spending spending, you know, two or three thousand dollars on a pair of in-air monitors uh or CIMs uh for, for one for one country seems like a, you know, a, a fairly normal purchase. Mm. Whereas because you have so much so so much more option on the other side in, in the US and the UK and, mm. and parts around Europe as well, um, that makes perfect sense. That really does. So when you're kind of moving forward to what it is that you guys are doing today 
with Noble. Mm. Now, there's a few there's a few interesting aspects that I've kind of come across, and these are the real points of admiration that I have for what you're doing. Number one, you're quite experimental when it comes to uh, driver pairing, let's say, um, where you guys are using electrostatic and balanced armature and dynamic all in the same unit. But that that's that's cool and everything, yes, from an engineering perspective and from an audiophile perspective. But I think what's really admirable and interesting is the value and craftsmanship that you guys yeah, put on yeah. your products. Right. Uh, the the value right. of hand finishing, of right. jewellery level kind of production, which is really right. quite interesting for me. I, I, I wonder, as, as a doctor of audiology, I wouldn't necessarily expect you to create and run mm. a company that puts such heavy value yeah. on craftsmanship. Where did that come from? Actually, audiology did mix in with that, but I'll try to, uh, I'm so bad at remembering topics, but sure. uh, a lot of reasons why, uh, one of the reasons why, you know, craftsmanship started to really play a big role was uh, I didn't have money. <laughs> I know that sounds funny, but what do you mean by that? Uh, back in the day when I started, like I said, 2008, and I was, I was pretty much just a hobby level right then, um, the hearing aid company that I worked with didn't have a laser machine, couldn't laser engrave. Um, sure. Oddly enough, the laser machines in Thailand are crazy expensive. Uh, we're talking three times what it costs you in the States, yeah. uh, just for entry level type thing. So we didn't have lasers uh, at the office. Um, so what I did in order to spruce these things up, uh, is I would go to the night markets and they had really beautiful, uh, spoons, if you will. They were basically big salad spoons or cooking spoons. You use spatulas and things like that. Um, and other thing I would buy was, uh, jewelry boxes. So basically you're looking for some beautiful wood that's flat. Spoon's not necessarily flat, but I would cut out as flat as area as I could. Sure. So, anyways, I would take apart the jewelry box, and I would use that to carve the faceplate of the uh, of the ear monitor. And uh, I was the only guy doing that. Nobody was using wood, and that was like considered a big wow thing at the time. And uh, to me, it was just like a no brainer because I didn't have a laser machine. What else could I do to make it nice? And so that's how wood got involved. And we'll just go on in because I know you're going to ask me how the wizard happened. Uh, yeah, that was going to be my Yeah, yeah. Where, where, where did the wizard right. come from? Or actually, yes. let me just tell my audience now, your, your nickname yeah. is, is the wizard, right? On, on all of your products on the website, it says Dr. Yeah. John Moulton, a.k.a. The wizard. the wizard. This product has yeah. been signed off. What what what's going on there? Have, have you got yeah. some kind of Dumbledore oh. fetish? What's 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 going on? What happened? <laughs> what that was about? Headfi. There's a website called headfi.org. Um, it was the largest uh, personal audio website uh, at that time. I'm not sure if it still is. But yeah, it still is. I think. Was. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it still is. Yeah. Okay. So what I was doing was I was again I was non-commercial. I was doing this as a hobbyist. And there was a particular thread called Show Us Your Woodies. And what it was was people uh, posting full-size head cans, full-size headphones, because they're usually, the cups are usually made out of wood, and so people are calling them yeah. woodies. So just for grins, I'm putting my CIMs, my custom ear monitors, 
on that page on the on the thread because I have wooden faceplates. And we have really nice pictures and this, that, and the other. And I was putting them up on there. And somebody asked me, what manufacturer do you work for? In other words, they're saying I was shilling, which means you're you're basically a puppet. You're not actually a member. You're trying to market for, let's say, UM or right. Unique Melody. Or, and I'm shilling. I, I wasn't. It was just a guy posting his stuff that I built. And so one of the members said, no, that's just Full Circle. And Full Circle is my name on, on Headfire. So Full Circle's been posting his wizardry for a while now, months now, or something of that nature. And so when he called wizardry, I thought, hey, there it is. Call myself the wizard. There we go. And uh, so that's uh, that's how it happened. Uh, that's where it came from. Was just posting online and uh, got the moniker in that. You know, it's 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 really quite amazing. I was I was talking to um, a guy that you that 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 that, that you know of, uh, Zach uh, from ZMF. Yes, ZMF, right? Um, and uh, I I was talking to so I did a I had a chat with Zach yesterday. Uh, we mm-hmm. uh, we we did an interview together yesterday, and um, it's it's so interesting because one of one of his initial uh, kind of foundational things was also joining Headfire as well, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and. He also has a fairly similar story where to make these wooden headphones that he wanted to make, he couldn't afford to go out and buy a milling machine or a, or, or, or a laser machine or anything like that. He had to sit there and make it by hand, right? you know, and because um, and, he, he just he couldn't do anything else. You know, when you're starting out, you can't afford, yeah. you know, crazy equipment. Right. right. And like I said, Noble's just a series of good mistakes. Uh, you know, wood is what threw me on the map, to be honest. And, well, why did it get me on the map? Because I couldn't afford a laser machine. Again, you know, if, if I had the money, maybe I wouldn't be here today, right? It, so, it was a happy accident. Yeah. Yeah. That is what it is. So you, you, you started off and you, you made a point earlier where audiology has this kind of cross-pollination effect with, uh, sure. with, with craftsmanship. Could you explain hmm. that to me? I, uh, to me, it yeah, sounds like yeah, they're diametrically yeah. opposite. Well, it was basically research that I had gone through or, or studied or learned about while I was in college. And there was a, there was a research, basically what uh, some students had done was they had uh, taken the exact same parts, uh, speakers. Everything was exactly the same. Dimensions of the cabinets, the internals, the wires, the drivers themselves, everything material-wise was exactly the same. The only difference between the speakers was one cabinet had uh, nice, uh, I forget the name of it, skin, I forget. Uh, uh, well, I forget the name of it, but what, basically a really skin? nice, no, it had a nice wood pattern to it. The outer oh, right. skin. Okay. Uh, oh, sure, sure, uh, sure, sure, sure. Uh, a grain. Right. Yes. Very nice. And the other one was just a uh, particle board. Looked cheap. Okay. Right. But everything else was 100% exactly the same. And what they did is they brought in the students and they said, I want you to listen to this one and listen to that one and tell us which one you, you thought was the best. And every one of them said the high expensive one sounded right the best nobody said they sounded the same no one said the, the ugly one 
was better. Everyone was more attracted to uh, the the better looking product. Yeah. Uh, so uh, knowing that research, that was one of the things that spurred me on uh, as far as being, you know, taking this to a, a level of craftsmanship that hadn't been done before. Uh, the other issues was at that time that I started into this as, as a hobby, pretty much the only options out there was a beige tan color, uh, skin tone, if you will. And uh, these were originally being designed for musicians and they were going to wear them up on stage sure. and some odd reason. <laughs> it, it was like something you should hide, you know, like they're scared yeah. to let people know. And um, so uh, at that time, it was just beige. And I thought, you know, this this is crazy because the prices at that time, we thought they were expensive, $900,000, 1200 probably maximum. But um, sure, sure. I, I was thinking, you know, if I brought this home, $1,300, and it looked like uh, old bubblegum, chewed up bubblegum in my hand, uh, my wife would just throw me out. Yeah. And so I, I thought this needs to look as good as it sounds and it needs to look as expensive as what we're paying for these things. It better look like a piece of jewelry. And um, so that was another reason it, it had to, the look had to befit the price. Otherwise, you know, it's not going to work out. And another thing that I've always been adamant about is if you're, and this is kind of like giving away my, my trade secrets, if you will, but sure. if you're going to buy one of these things and you're relying on uh, what you know about it, and you're looking at the websites or looking at photos, that's all you have to go by is, is a visual judgment of the product. There's no way you can get an acoustical representation of what the product can do uh, because that's a personal experience. You can't share that. Even if you read a review, that really doesn't matter uh, because hearing it is such a personal thing. So if you know that you're you're trying to sell something, the only thing that you're going to be able to give that person experience through that's going to buy is going to be a visual. So you better do your best to make it look great. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why we focus so heavily on let's get really good photos and let's, you know, take the crash at a very serious level. Yeah, that, that that's something I do have to compliment you on, actually. Uh, and I, I already have privately, but uh, I'd, I'd like to do it on the episode as well, is that, that your your photography on your website is extraordinary. Yeah, um, that's that's Victor again. Yeah, Victor does that. Yeah, re really, really great photography. It, it shows the detail and the beauty of of how jewellery-like uh, your products are. And I really like that and that... that I actually ended up saying the opposite to Zach yesterday. Mm. Uh, his his products are truly so beautiful in person. They they truly are. Uh, I'm I'm very lucky to have uh, a few of his headphones. And um, when I when I got them a few days ago, and I took them out the box, I I was in shock. I thought, Zach, what? Why are you not stepping up your game in the photography world, my friend? Mm. You know, and but but you guys have 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 kind of got that really on point and i think that's quite important but the point that you bring up about things looking as beautiful as they sound is actually a point that i have brought up in a in the first ever hi-fi episode that i did uh where i 
had become disappointed. And this was in hi-fi, not in personal audio, right? But I think there's 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 a lot of crossover in, in, in those two worlds. Um, unfortunately, there are so many people out there who have three or four hundred thousand dollar setups mm. that look like garbage. Mm. You know, it, it, it really looks horrendous. It's just this big metallic rack in the middle of a room with these cables that are sprawling everywhere and these big black boxes for speakers. It's 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 not an aesthetic thing at all. It doesn't fit in. You have to have an entirely separate room just to have this stuff in there because you know it's it's gaudy to look at. I was urging my audience to understand that yes, things have to sound beautiful, but part of the consumption of these products is sitting there and looking at the damn thing as well. You know, and and, and with with an in-ear monitor, you handle it, you hold it, you look at it before you put it in your ear. When you've got it in your ear, it's nice for other people to look at it and think, wow, what have you what are you wearing there? That's that's really something interesting, rather than, as you said, a chewed up piece of bubblegum. You know, no, no, no one wants something ugly in their ear. Uh, that's why we spend money on our glasses. It's why we spend money on our clothes. We, we, right. we, we like to have nice stuff. Right. When, getting back to the aesthetics of a CIM and, and being beige and trying to hide it. Uh, I was building a set of musician models from CIMs for a musician. And she was asking for beige. And I asked her, why do you want to, why do you want to hide this? And uh, she didn't really have a good answer. And I said, you know, when, when I work construction, the guys out there, they were painting their, their hands. Um, they would paint the pink. They would paint them yellow. Uh, whatever loud and proud colors they could think of. And yeah. that's because that's their job. That's what they enjoy doing. That's what they do as a career. And they're proud of their tools and they buy expensive tools and they show them to the world. This is what I do. This is what I am. And uh, we see that now in, in the musicians, that will you know, diamond encrusted or whatever. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'm glad to see that change. You know, this is not something to hide. This is something to be proud of. I, I, I agree. And it's kind of that whole thing nowadays, right? And I think probably people like Freddie Mercury and, and, mm. and guys like that from Queen, I think they were probably pioneers in this kind of thing where making your in-ear monitors and the microphone that you use, mm. make that a, a statement product, make that part of your act. Well, um, even the guitars, the electric guitars, you know, yes. they, they got all crazy. So, yeah, I just felt that the CIM should be, you know, an extension of that as well. And I think you've done a, a really a beautiful job. At the end of the day, we're not all musicians, right? Uh, but, you yeah. know, most people do have a decent amount of disposable income and they also do have a love for this kind of thing. And it's nice not to just have those kind of products available to, you know, someone who's going to be performing in Wembley or, you know, in a, in a great stadium like that. It's nice sure. for a normal audiophile to have something beautiful to be proud of. Now, the, the craftsmanship aspect has been extremely interesting for me, John, but the one thing that has been very interesting for me, and it's been more of an interest for me as I've been able to experience some super high-end IEMs, uh, is the way that you guys are using drivers. Now, I've 
got many IEMs and I'm, I'm kind of looking at my at my rack right now and I can see a few, you know, a single dynamic driver. I can see a 10 driver. I can see a seven driver, but none of them. I've never tried a tri driver. So three hmm. drivers in one in, in, in one thing. I, my, my question for you, John, is are you guys just using as many drivers as you can for the sake mm. of using as many drivers as you can as kind of a marketing thing? Or is there, mm. is there something more than that? Is, is, it doing, is there a reason why you have to use an electrostat driver and a, and a um, situation? Yeah, so this is just my opinion, but I, I really think that what we see now uh, with the use of things like a, a tri-driver, and I think what you're alluding to is three different levels of technology being used inside. Yes. One being a dynamic, one being a BA, one possibly being electrostatic. Um, what we're trying to accomplish when we're doing these types of things. I, is, sh I should have said a tri-hybrid. Um, Sorry. I'm yeah, 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 yeah. Like a tri-hybrid yeah. type concept. What you, what you're seeing is, um, boy, I wish I could think of an analogy, but basically some of these speakers at birth, are better at doing certain things. Hmm. And so, uh, for example, a dynamic driver, uh, it's really good at putting up that sub base or mid base type areas over a balanced armature. Now that said, it depends on the listener as well, because here's the thing about dynamics. Uh, they have a slower response, but they also have a slower decay. And so, some people feel that that slow decay gives it a more realistic sound quality as hitting a drum and you hear that reverberation uh, mm -hmm. slow down, if you will. Uh, whereas some people like the balanced armature driver sound quality because it is extremely fast, uh, fast onset, fast decay. And people consider that being precise. So it's all sixes and sevens. It's about the user's experience and what he prefers. But again, getting back to the topic of why are you putting three different products inside of there, three different technologies again, the hope is or the goal is to use every technology to fit the purpose that you're trying to achieve. For example, electrostatics, they really are a high frequency driver. That's where they belong. That's what they do. Um, and they okay. do that better than other products. So that's that's why you're seeing this. I'm, I'm guessing that's why. Uh, sorry to disturb you. I'm guessing that's why no, something no. like a Stax headphone that they're, they're known for not having really kind of rich bass, and, that, and I'm guessing Correct. that's because the lack of a dynamic driver. Yeah, they're just doing what they do well. You know, focusing mm. on that particular uh, zone, if you will. Um, so that's why you see companies starting to use, you know, uh, this tri-hybrid concept. But again, just because they do it doesn't mean that everybody's going to like that. Uh, my people in Korea like the dynamic driver being uh, used for bass. Um, there's there's other people who say, well, I really prefer the, the, the dynamic, I mean, the balanced armature driver type sound. So, uh, you know, it's some people like chocolate, some people want strawberry it's it's just different for everyone the, the the one thing that has really quite been uh, interesting for me to, to to start learning is the is the idea that yes you know not anyone can just get a so this knowledge i'm guessing this is fairly well-known knowledge right is that a balanced armature is really good at fast and a uh, fast stuff and precision but it's not very good mm -hmm. at creating that mid base and a dynamic drive is really good at mid and sub and 
-hmm. an electrostat is really good at kind of adding depth to that BA, right? Or let's just say it like that. Um, and I'm guessing this is fairly well known. But the one thing that I've come across over and over and over again is people complaining about many, many companies out there that are creating these, you know, multiple driver, um, multiple technology driver uh, IEMs, but doing it badly because of the, the mm -hmm. lack of tuning that they go through. Uh, right, and I wonder yeah. if I if I was to ask you two questions. Number one, what do you guys go through when you're tuning your drivers? Because I'm guessing that's really mm -hmm. difficult, especially when you're using three different technologies. Um, and number two, what is the noble house sound? What are you, what are you going for? Mm -hmm. I think most people think of your uh, focusing on uh, one, a balanced sound, and two, probably uh, an emphasis on um, acoustics. In other words, uh, I love listening to acoustic guitars, and uh, they call it unplugged music, where you know, you're not using yeah, yeah, electronics yeah, totally. and things like that. Yeah. And um, those products are going to have a lot of uh, clarity to them. And um, But as far as like tuning and things like that, one of my goals is, has always been to uh, make the best out of the least. And it's, it's a fun product. It's a fun goal to try to do. And you okay. select uh, balance armature drivers that... Uh, you think that are really good for this product uh, or, or in order to do that. We have a product called the Savant and I called it the Savant because it's two drivers. And Savant oh. usually means you look at a person and you don't think that this person has any skill sets or talents, it just looks normal. Next thing you know, they sit down and they mastered the piano at a level that is just unfathomable. That's a savant. Sure. Just you look at it, you would pass it over, and quite unassuming. You look at, right, and a two driver in this industry is considered rather unassuming. No big deal, you know. But when you hear a savant, it's like, wow, that's that's pretty that's pretty special. Uh, we have something called a Zephyr, which is a three driver, and basically it's an extension of the savant principle with a dynamic driver put in it as well to give you that nice bass response. Um, yeah, we, we, I love them. I love what we do. We've, we've recently launched, um, actually, yeah, I think it, it might be launching within a couple of days in Korea. Basically, it's a dynamic, uh, it's a, wait, hold on, it's a dynamic balanced armature driver plus a, a um, electrostatic. So mm. that was just, we just built 30 of them for them. So anyways, we've wow. done that tri-hybrid concept. Uh, and there's ways to even get four, possibly even five levels of technology in these things. If you Yeah, I was going to say, really are you thinking of integrating planar at any point? Well, we've done something similar to planar already. It's a, it's a floating, it's basically a floating piece of metal in between two magnets, if you will, and it bounces mm. up and down and vibrates. And what they did, with not me, it was you know, it's kind of a long story, but it's a, it's an interesting one. Um, I believe this is the story. Epson, if I remember correctly, 
this particular driver was being developed by Epson uh, for mm. the phone. And yeah. uh, Sony came along and bought them out. And this driver that was being developed for this phone got put in a file cabinet. Now, basically what the driver could do was two things. It was a dynamic driver plus, like I said, the planar concept. And um, that got put on the shelf for like 10 years. And a company recently bought up, bought up the patents and the ability to build these things. And they're on the market today. Uh, we've used them on a product we call the M3. Uh, we call it M3 because it had three magnets in it, one for the dynamic and two for the planar section, if you will. They call them magneto drivers as well sometimes. It's uh, okay. so fairly new in this industry, um, but we weren't the first to do it. I can't even remember who the first was, but uh, yeah, we've done a, one that way so far. Interesting. Interesting. So basically, yeah. And yeah, yeah, go, yeah ahead. go ahead. No, no, it's just basically like a, it's a dynamic driver doing what it's good at, which is bass, and then the planar section doing what it's good at. It's a high frequency sound. Cool, cool. Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me now, actually. The other question that I had, John, was, and you maybe you could use the K10 as an example for this and mm. uh, tell my audience a bit about the K10 now. I understand mm -hmm. why you would use different technologies, but why mm -hmm. do you need 10 drivers? Yeah, that's so, uh, you know, it just happened to be that way, surely. <laughs> we had, uh, I had an eight driver, and uh, sometimes when you're going with these things, when you're trying to develop them and build them, every time you add a driver, the impedance gets thrown off and it, it, the whole graph goes crazy on you and things of that nature. Sure. Um, and sometimes... And what exactly is impedance? Uh, um, what, what, what exactly is impedance? Resistance is what it is. Resistance. Okay. Okay, so what you can do is when you add two drivers together uh, and you wire it a specific way, the resistance go down or if you write it uh, or if you do it in another way, the resistance goes up. So it just depends on how you wire these two drivers, and, and uh, that's going to determine your resistance. So, anyways, I had an eight driver, and it's it was a good product, but it was it was kind of on the warm side, and uh, I wanted to bring in more highs, and so we brought in some more high frequency drivers, put it together. Uh, the resistance was good, the map looked great. And uh, it was a great selling product for quite some time. Yeah. So if you want to hear the whole story about the K10, if that's what you yes. want to go into. Okay. Story yes, I'd like to understand, like, what, what, what were you guys thinking? Because you've told me the story very, uh, you, you told me the story in a private yeah. conversation before. Kind of a summary of um, it. Yeah. Where, yeah. You were, where you, were, you were explaining to me the value of a double digit. Uh, a driver setup at that particular time um, ah, well, and that kind of got my brain yeah. wondering and it was yeah. just like hmm what why 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 10 yeah, yeah, yeah. Why, why do you need 10 so yeah well there's 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 several reasons but let's go let's get back to what happened there i was working with a company that i had co-founded and uh i didn't have uh control at that point 
And in fact, I'll tell you the name Noble, how that all began. My uh, partner, he, oh, I don't know how to say this without making people upset, but let's just say he had a proclivity of, of doing things on the cheap. Sure. And <laughs> this would harm people. Okay. Sure. Not, not saying you use the product that harms you. I'm just talking about staff members. Employees, if you will. People are having to go without. And they shouldn't, in my opinion. Yeah. And um, I worked in the lab. And this guy, he, my partner, he did, he, he basically did math and looked at figures. And, um, mm. and the thing is, I wanted to keep employees happy, period. Um, for one, I work with them every day, side by side. You don't really want to yeah. be working with people that are upset. Uh, but also, I'm a firm believer in, you know, uh, do what you say you're going to do. And um, mm. anyhow, uh, I was thinking about what had just occurred and what I had just learned about. And um, I just thought to myself, that is not noble. That's exactly the words that came to my head. That is not noble. Oh, is that right? Yeah. And then I thought, you know what? I'm going to start a company and I'm going to call it noble. And so I sat down with these employees that were uh, uh, not happy and told them I'll start a company on my own. And uh, if you want, you can work with me and build for me, this type of thing. And they said, yes, we shall do it. And that's how Noble was born. Uh, we left and started Noble. Yeah. So that's how that happened. But getting back to the, at that time, the company that we were working with, uh, we had an eight driver. We were offering that to the public and selling that. And um, I pretty much knew that we could do a 10. I built one before just basically off of the eight. In other words, they used the premises of the eight and made a springboard off of that, the 10. So we, uh, we knew we were going to depart. And uh, I actually had plane tickets in my hand, that kind of thing. I was wow. ready to go. And we were having our last supper get together dinner. And uh, one of the individuals that was with us was, her name was uh, Nancy. Uh, we call her Abacus. She was at the dinner table and we used her Samsung cell phone. I remember her Samsung smartphone to do the, the impedance map. And we were calculating the impedance and which drivers we could use to put you for this 10 driver. And um, we, I've always liked the, the movie uh, Diesel Suspects. And, oh, yeah, uh, what a great movie. Yeah. So we, we named a lot of our. Uh, employees and oh, staff Kaiser members and everything yes, yeah exactly. yeah yeah okay Kaiser. we have one fellow named db and we named him after db cooper uh right. so yes so we uh jimmy hoffa we got a guy named jimmy jimmy hoffa uh so basically we 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 like to have fun that way and so Amazing. we use yeah, and so people think that the word Kaiser came from, you know, King, so we wanted to be the best or whatever. No, nah, it really was from the movie. Uh, it was Kaiser Soze. Kaiser Soze, yeah. <laughs> and um, so... That's brilliant. That's, yeah, that's where the, the whole Kaiser 10 came from. 
And uh, at the time, seriously, I don't believe anybody was doing a double-digit product at that time. So we called it the Kaiser and had five people on the forum just started calling it K10 rather than typing out Kaiser. So that's where K10 came from as far as the name goes, um, really from the movie. And a lot of our, our nicknames come from characters in movies. So mm. that's that's what that's about. Um, as far as why did we go to 10, because I, like I said, I had an eight driver that I felt was a little too dark, a little too warm, and I wanted to bring up some more highs. And that's uh, that's why we, we went that direction. Plus, we, we figured we were going to have a winner just because of the fact that uh, it was going to be first double digit on the market uh, mm. at that time. And it turned out being a very successful product. Um, on HitFi, we got uh, 30 plus consecutive five-star reviews. No IEM's ever done that before, and no IEM has ever wow. done that since. So uh, that's that was a winner for us. And, uh, we, we've had other successful products as well, Sultan being, being one. And uh, we hope to have others in the future. Well. Of course. You, do you guys still sell the Kaiser or the K10? Yeah, we just uh, we, we took it off the menu for some time. Um, I quit building it maybe three three years or so, maybe four. Not sure. Mm. But uh, we what happened was during that time period, we ended up getting some really good uh, distributors. Um, and we felt that we were being represented better than we were at the time when the Kaiser was popular. In other words, we have new distributors for Hong Kong, China, and Korea, and they do a really good job. At the time when the Kaiser was um, popular, we did not have good representation in those areas. So we figured we could relaunch it, and we would do this in a hand-built fashion rather than, you know, if you do CNC work, you're going to have what you call minimum order quantity. And mm. our CNC factory, they may say, okay, we need you to buy 400 housings. Well, that's a lot of money on a gamble. Uh, we didn't know if we would have that much interest, but we figured there would be some. And because of that, well, we CNC our own wood stuff, anything made out of wood or, or plastics or graphite, carbon fiber, these types of things. Sure. We can see that on our own. So we figured we'd build our own housings and uh, do that in low volume rather than a, a higher volume product. And yes, so the answer to your question is yes, we do still sell the Kaiser or K10. It is possible to buy one. But if you get it, it's going to be in a, a, a wood style housing. Sure, which is your prestige collection, right? And so, Correct. So that's, um, your, your prestige is, 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 is woods. Is that what is that what it is handled? Yeah, we're, really, what what the demarcation of prestige is the bottom. Basically, there's two parts to an uh, yeah. uh, IEM: the bottom part, the main body that holds the internals, and then a cap. And a prestige, the demarcation for that is the cap and the bottom are both the same materials, made out of the same materials, and so that pretty much means 100% wood. It could also mean uh, 100% plastic, but the plastic is highly specialized. Um, it could mean micarta. We use micarta as well. Uh, we also use uh, a composite metal called M3, something malevolent. 
Some kind of fancy composite metal is what it is. Sure, that's sure, pretty sure. cool. So Amazing. anyhow, that's pretty much what a demarcation of of uh, prestige is. Cool, fantastic. And John, I, I I wonder, you know, you guys have got a really interesting history, and you're you're still, although you're kind of super well known within the audiophile community, right? You've got some mm-hmm. of these really interesting let's call it milestone markers, whether it's the, you know, 30 plus five star reviews with the K10, whether it's, you know, HeadFi being um, so supportive with you guys with 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 many of your products and um, even uh, helping you find out your own nickname. Um, you know, you've 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 had all these really interesting experiences, but but you guys have, have stayed a fairly small and agile and lean creative team. Right. And I, I, I think that's right really quite interesting so i wonder that's where you are right now what does the future look like for noble what 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 have you got on your mind are there any interesting projects that you're that you're thinking of or is there a are you guys going to continue in this kind of direction well as you know we're we're doing tws now and um i don't know where that's going to lead us um because TWS, and I, we talked about this before we started recording. Was it, it's a product yeah, that's true wireless. That to 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 really be successful, you've got to sell all these things by a lot of volume, and so your your sales team, your sales network has to be set up to do that. And so, in other words, if I'm selling TWS in America at Walmart, well, yeah, that that's an avenue. That's that's a channel that can move a lot of volume. We don't have that. Um, but in Japan, we have a distributor that is set up with stores similar to Walmart idea. And so they're moving a, a tremendous amount of volume, at least for my opinion, it's a lot of volume. Um, so basically it's about your network. So when you say, what does the future hold for Noble? Yeah, we're doing TWS as well. Uh, we like to keep one foot in mass production, specifically TWS. We like to keep another foot in boutique, whereas, you know, boutique is where we were born. That's where we established our name. Um, so where else would I like to be? Um, you know, to be honest, uh, I love working with wood. So I guess anything that involves uh, craftsmanship, I would like to be involved in that as well. Yeah. So, but I don't know, you know, if we'll, if we'll ever get there, but I wouldn't mind. Our machines that we own, our CNC machines, and the people that work with us, they 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 have a great understanding of wood and how to work with it. So it's not a big uh, launch from. For example, uh, this is just an example. I'll just throw this out. But yeah. if you came to me and said, "Look, I love chess. Mm. I want uh, a chess set." but I want it to be thematically according to The Hobbit. No, okay, we could do it. Uh, why? Because we have the computers and we have the machines that can you know, CNC you a, a product like that. So yeah, we, we have the capabilities of doing other things that uh, would require CNC machines and computers and people that can polish wood and stuff like that. Mm. Mm. No, that's really quite interesting because I think I, th- I think one thing that 
was really interesting for me to learn, and it, it did make perfect sense, is that craftsmanship is craftsmanship as far as I'm concerned. And I've spoken mm. to so many people who are who are makers, right? They're, they're people who do things with their hands. And there's one guy called Stephen Einhorn. He's a really is one of the one of the most prominent jewelry makers in London. Um, yeah, well, we have a story yeah. about that too. By the way, keep going, Stephen Einhorn. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, you don't like it. Uh, well, it's 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 really quite interesting, and you know, um, I I I I was talking to to to, to Stephen Einhorn and. You know, this guy had a background in model making. You know, he oh. would essentially and and like sign making and stuff like that. Um, mm. And his wife, who is his co-founder for the for the jewelry uh, for for his jewelry brand, mm. uh, Jane, uh, she has mm. a background in uh, millinery, in hat making, and stuff. Mm. And and just this idea of being able to take pe- take things apart in your head and then and reform them and make them look beautiful and finish them beautifully you know, is is something that really goes across different industries. Um, it's very, very interesting to see how these guys who 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 are really in uh, adept at making stuff, they can really just apply their knowledge and their skills into many different ways. So it makes perfect sense for you to say that you're making, in, in my opinion, I mean, I haven't had the pleasure of spending uh, spending any time with the stuff that you're making, but... All you have to do is just look at the pictures and you can tell that this is really a cut above. You know, this is this is this is going to levels of detail that maybe um, the IEM industry or CIM industry is not uh, terribly aware of uh, and is not very common. Uh, but it, it doesn't take a genius to realize that. Hang on a second. If these guys are finishing it to that level, you know, this is the kind of stuff that brands like Cartier and fine jewelry makers, they kind of go to that level. And I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for that. Yeah. Um, thank you. <laughs> you know, that's that's one of the things is our, our business motto, if you will, is just do what others do, what others are not willing to do. You know, push it, push the envelope. But when you're talking about using or working with jewelry companies, we actually are working with a jewelry company called Chris Blue's Designs. And uh, oh, wow. if you notice if you've looked into if you are just a google uh damascus steel or damascus sultan yeah yeah, i'm familiar with damascus right yeah yeah, yeah. he's the uh, guy it's an ancient um uh, uh it's an ancient japanese um uh, uh metal where they would sandwich up different types of steel right? folded together right right yeah uh he's Dama- he's really good at making damascus and that's that's really what his his name is about and he's making our Damascus faceplates for the Sultan. Um, he's also doing other projects for us as well. He's actually spearheaded the one, the gold diamond uh, Sultan. You may have know about that one. We yeah. recently built, we, we did five sets of gold diamond uh, Sultans. Yeah, It was mostly a marketing play, to be honest with you. We didn't expect <laughs> to sell them. The thing is, COVID, COVID kicked in and we spent a large amount of money on flying around and uh, this year yeah. we we didn't, didn't spend that money so what we figured we should do or could do is uh we built the world's most expensive IEM, and uh, that's what we set out to do we we built five of them uh in conjunction with chris Kluth, 
with the CPD uh, designs in America. And very grateful for him to give us the time to, to do that. And uh, so uh, they did what we wanted them to do. They're actually at Harrods. We have a set on display at Harrods in London. We also shipped $27,000, to Merman Oh, my God. Yeah. Damn. And I don't know the specs as far as how many diamonds are involved in the, the, the uh, actual well, weight. A, a lot, I, a lot. I've seen it. <laughs> I've seen the specs. I've, 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 they, I, they, I've lost the, the specs in my mind. But uh, I do know that, uh, you know, we, we use the internals for the Sultan. And that's... Uh, Wow, that's that. But Which is what your we, flagship. Again, right. And then the idea was, yes, we cannot attend shows being specifically going on in Hong Kong and China right now because they still are. But what we've done is we've sent those uh, gold diamonds out to areas of the world where the shows are still going on and people, it draws a crowd. I mean, who doesn't want to see it? Yeah. You know, it'd be like the world's most expensive uh, Bugatti. People are going to come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well I think, yeah. you know, I, th I, I think it's a really interesting marketing ploy that you guys have done there because who doesn't want to see the world's most expensive anything, right? Yeah, you know, exactly. Whether it's, so, uh, it's, it's, it's yeah. interesting for anyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we got, we got some negative friction about it, but, you know. <laughs> but uh, at the end of the day, the reality is who's not attracted to the world's most expensive something? You know, you just want to see it. And, it could be Plato, but still they're interested. Yeah, and that's why we did yeah, it, yeah. and it served its purpose. It does draw crowds, and if somebody wants to buy it, that's fine. It's, it's okay with yep. me. <laughs> I can imagine, but um, mm -hmm. you know, you know what, John, I, I, I have to say this is this has really been really quite educational and fascinating for me, and 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 like I said, it's been. It's been something I've wanted to do for a while now. I've I've known of Noble um, since I started this IEM journey about a year ago, um, and it's it's always been that brand that's kind of spoken in whispers. It's like, oh, you know, uh, Noble. There's a mythical kind of thing about about you guys, right? Is that you're you're creating some of the the most high end, some of the most expensive IEMs in the world, and also some may say some of the best sounding IEMs in the world as well and yourself is surrounded in 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 an extraordinary kind of mystery as well or, or mythicality I would say you know yeah. I'm guessing that's probably added by the fact that you're called the bloody wizard um, yeah. so you know <laughs> well um, that's so I, well yeah the whole Kaiser thing too the Kaiser Soze art like we had a t-shirt yeah. it, it was blur blurry and it said who was Kaiser you know that kind of stuff. Oh, brilliant! It was fun. Brilliant. We, we've had fun with that. So yeah. And I and I and I think that's what I've really grasped by everything that you've been doing, whether it's noble or before noble or whatever, is it seems as though that when you find a situation that you're no longer having fun with, it's not something that you're terribly interested in, and it, mm. and it has to be fun for you. Correct. Yeah, that I I told you that when we weren't recording is. Every project we look at, the question is, is it going to be fun? And if it's not, I'm not interested, to be honest. Why? You know, yeah. I do pour a tremendous amount of time into this. But 
I wouldn't do that if it wasn't fun. That's for sure. Um, you know, no way. You know, life's too yeah. short. Yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 at the end of the day, I I have to say, I think the 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 most interesting creative breakthroughs are, are always found by individuals who are not terribly monetarily driven, but yet they're driven by creating beautiful products that will be used in a particular way and provide a certain experience. Um, and I and and I and I really see that with you guys, and I think it's that's why I've really been very fascinated and excited to be able to have a chat with you. Uh, I, I, I really yeah. have. Um, and I've, I've, I've learned a tremendous amount and I, I, I hope my audience have as well. And I, I have to urge people, you know, um, you know, just go, go on the noble website. I'm going to put the, uh, put the uh, website in the description anyway, uh, go on the noble website and just see some of the, some of the stuff that these guys are making. It's, it's truly, truly beautiful jewelry quality stuff i mean i i like to there's a there's a jewelry term which is heirloom quality right oh yeah yeah um yeah you know it's that it's we, that we use that from time to time yeah oh really well, okay yeah we talk about heirloom level that's what we call it heirloom level amboy nye amboy nye is uh some people call it the king of burl but uh wow it's a really beautiful burl wood and we rely on that a lot and sometimes we'll refer to it as heirloom level. Yeah. Extraordinary. But yeah, that that's really what it, I, I didn't know that you guys were using that kind of uh, vernacular, to be fair, but that's mm -hmm. really what it communicated with me, is this kind mm -hmm. of thing that is really there to be with you for life, even though it's a technology good. You know, there's this interesting <laughs> synthesis and, and uh, amalgamation between technology and craftsmanship, which I think is very, very apt for audio. And I think it's probably one of the only technology goods that it is apt for. You know, having a solid gold Apple Watch or an iPhone makes no sense because of the advancements in technologies are so fast. But I see people who are still using headphones and speakers that are 30 or 40 years old. Sure. You know, whether they're, whether they're uh, the guy at Sennheiser was telling me that he has a friend who still uses his HD 600s um, that are 35 years old. So... You know, the, the, the people use this stuff and the technology doesn't advance that quickly unless you're in TWS, for example, where the technology is advancing from, mm -hmm. from uh, you know, quarter to quarter yeah. almost. Right. But, yeah. you know, the long and short of it is, John, is I have to thank you so, so very much for your time. Uh, it's been mm -hmm. truly fascinating to kind of scratch beneath the surface. And I feel that's all I've really done. And I'm very excited to kind of mm -hmm. see the rest of the uh, to, to see the rest of the iceberg uh, beneath mm -hmm. the sea. I think it's going to be a really fascinating mm -hmm. journey, and I have to I have to thank you so much for for uh, 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 taking me on that journey. Mm -hmm. Well, I've told you before in the past. Anytime, um, we appreciate it. We really do. And um, just a phone call away. Amazing. Thank you so much, John. I really do appreciate it. And I hope you have a great day. All right. You too. Thank you.